We're studying the book of Acts right now. We're going through Acts and learning different things out of the book of Acts. My topic is the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts. Now, as I began to look at this, the Holy Spirit is mentioned 41 times in the book of Acts. And uh, last night we were at the house and Dustin came in. He said, what are you preaching on tomorrow? And I said, the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts. He said, oh, are, y'all record your lessons, right? And I said, yeah, but you're going to be there tomorrow, aren't you? He said, oh, it's not a series? (laughs) And he's right. There's so much in the book of Acts about the Holy Spirit that it's unimaginable to try to cover all of it today. So we're not going to try to cover all of it today. But what we are going to do is we're going to look at three pivotal, critical, foundational things that I believe the book of Acts has for you and I about the Holy Spirit. We're going to talk about first, what or who is the Holy Spirit? You know, there's a lot of different ideas about the Holy Spirit. A lot of different beliefs. Some people say it's just, it's a force like electricity and it gets into you. And other people say, well, no, it's a person. And other people say, no, it's God. And there's just all kinds of different ideas about who or what the Holy Spirit is. And I believe Some of those answers are found in the book of Acts. We're also going to talk about receiving the Holy Spirit. Any day of the week, you can turn on your television and you can turn to one of the religious broadcasting stations and you can see people on there who are supposedly receiving the Holy Spirit. And you see all kinds of different things. Some people just hold up their hand and... And they say, thank you, Jesus. And other people jump and shake and roll on the ground. And there's all kinds of different ideas. There, I know people that believe that you can't receive the Holy Spirit today. That that was just something that happened in the New Testament. What does Acts tell us about this? The last thing I want to spend a little time on is how to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Or should we be filled with the Holy Spirit? Or what does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Is there any such thing as a Christian who doesn't have the Holy Spirit and isn't filled with the Holy Spirit? Or is that a level of Christianity that somebody can attain to? What does that mean? The book of Acts is just full of teaching about this stuff. So, let's get started. In Acts chapter 1, Jesus is with the disciples. He's been resurrected. He spent 40 days with them. He's getting ready to ascend. And He tells them, He says, when I ascend, I want you to go to Jerusalem. You're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit here in a few days. And power is going to come on you after that happens. And I want you to go to Jerusalem and wait on Me. You get to Acts chapter 2. And the entrance of the Holy Spirit into the church is... I put wow because I can't think of any other word to describe it. It says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. So here they are, gathered around some of the disciples. The apostles are all there. And there's a sound that comes from heaven. I don't know if you've ever heard the sound of a tornado or maybe the sound of a hurricane. It was the sound of a rushing mighty wind. But there was no wind. It was just the sound. And I believe the 
couple of verses later, it says this was noised abroad throughout the whole area. Everyone heard this. You know, two or three weeks ago, I was in town for one Sunday as I was passing through, and we had tornado sirens, and I was up here talking about Nigeria, and everyone in here heard the tornado sirens except me. (laughs) And I just kept talking. It wasn't like that back then. Everybody heard the sound. It filled the whole house. Can you imagine the sound of a hurricane and no wind? And it didn't stop there. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one set upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So, not only was there this huge sound, but then all of a sudden, and I couldn't find a real good picture of this. By the way, there aren't good pictures of the Holy Spirit on Google. <laughs> you can't find, can't find them. But it says there were, looked like tongues of fire. You know what fire, the flames and the tongues that's, that leap out of fire are. Looked like come down on each one of them. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak with other tongues. And now this is a little bit of an aside, but the word tongues there means languages. It doesn't mean nonsense. They didn't just start shouting gibberish. They started speaking in different languages. And as you go on through there, he gives a list of about ten different languages that they were speaking in, miraculously. And I read this story, and I look at that and I go, wow, what just happened there? What occurred in this situation? And what happened, I believe, is that Jesus Christ was keeping a promise. Jesus had made a promise in Acts chapter 1 to His apostles. And His promise was this, John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. He was keeping that promise. You know, this wasn't the first time this promise had been mentioned. In Mark chapter 1, John himself says this. John says, I'm baptizing you with water, but the one coming is going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. But that wasn't even the first time. When Peter stands up here in Acts chapter 2 and begins to preach, you know what he says? He says, start with, these guys aren't drunk, everybody. Okay, They're not drunk, but this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel, and it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out of my Spirit on all flesh. Now, Joel said this about 850 years before Acts chapter 2 happens. This was a promise God had made a long time ago. Now, I understand that Dusty spoke about the baptism of the Holy Spirit last week. And I appreciate that because I didn't have to spend the time putting that in this lesson today. So if you have questions about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, yes, it is recorded and you can go to the website and you can listen to Dusty's lesson on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But instead of talking about that, what I want to talk about is this Holy Spirit that they were immersed in. That's what the word baptized means. It means totally submerged in. This Holy Spirit that immersed them, who is this? In order to answer that, I believe, we can find the answer by going to a story about a guy named Ananias and his wife Sapphira in Acts chapter 5. And it's a, it's a grim tale. 
Because what had happened is the church is all there in Jerusalem. And you remember the Scriptures say that there were people out of all nations. Jews from all nations had come to Jerusalem and the church began there in Acts chapter 2. And these people stayed in Jerusalem. And they didn't have jobs. And they didn't have places to live. And, you know, you can do that for a little while, but eventually, you need some money. So people like Barnabas, who owned land, began to sell their possessions and give that money to the church so that the church could have money to help take care of all the members of the church that were living there in Jerusalem. You know, Barnabas evidently was well recognized for doing this. You know, sometimes you go into churches and they'll have plaques on different parts of the church that say donated by. Sometimes they even name buildings after people who donated. I don't know if they had a Barnabas building or not. But I do know this, Barnabas had done that and when he did, there was Ananias and Sapphira and they see that and they decide, you know what, we've got some stuff, we'll sell it and give the money to the church. And they sold it and they talked about it and they said, you know, this is a lot of money. (laughs) Have you ever done that, decide you were going to give something to the church and then when it came right down to writing the check, you start going, well, that's sure a lot. (laughs) They decided, you know what we're going to do? We're going to keep part of this back, but we'll pretend we gave all of it. So they did. They came and they pretended they sold their land for a certain amount and gave all that money, but they, they really kept part of the money back. Now Peter tells me, he says, when it was yours, you could do with it what you want. God didn't command them to sell everything they had and give it to the church. But they were trying to be deceitful. They were being deceitful. They were trying to get credit for giving it all when they really didn't give it all. Have you ever tried to get credit for something you didn't really do? Probably all of us a little bit at some time have done that, haven't we? What happens here is this. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? You have not lied to man, but to God. You see what happened there? He said, you lied to the Holy Spirit, and when you were doing that, who were you lying to? You're lying to God. I believe from that passage and many others, but from this passage in particular, it's pretty easy for me to determine that the Holy Spirit, at least the Apostle Peter believed the Holy Spirit was God, didn't he? He believed you try to lie to the Holy Spirit, you're lying to God. We started services this morning singing a song. Father, we love you, we worship and adore you, glorify your name. Jesus, we love you, we worship and adore you and glorify your name. Spirit, We love you, worship and adore you, glorify your name in all the earth. You know why we do that? Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Now there's a common word in the religious theology world. It's called Trinity, the Trinity. And what it talks about is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I'm not going to begin to try to explain the Trinity today. But I can tell you that the Bible teaching overall is... That there is one God that exists in three persons. And that is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And they are united and they are together and they are one in a way we as humans can't understand. And yet they are distinct and individual. 
in a way that we as humans don't completely understand. You know, if that's true, if the Holy Spirit really is God, I would expect, as I read through the Bible, to find passages that talked about the Spirit with the Father or the Spirit with the Son as though they were equals, wouldn't you? And you know what we find? That exact thing. Look at this. Jesus said in Matthew 28, He says, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. We read in 2 Corinthians 13, Paul said this, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And you find things like that all through Scripture where the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are held together as one. So when we talk about the Holy Spirit, what you're talking about is one of the personalities or the presentation of our lone God in heaven. Now, the next question about receiving the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 19, the Apostle Paul is traveling and he's preaching. He's going from place to place and he gets to Ephesus. Now, Ephesus was a big cosmopolitan modern city of that part of the world. And Ephesus was a, it was on the sea coast and it was a very big modern city. And they had a good church in Ephesus in the future years. In fact, one of the books in your Bible was written to the church at Ephesus. The book of Ephesians. But when Paul gets there, there's not a great big church. In fact, he finds twelve people. And he goes and he finds these people and he begins to talk to these people. And he says this, It says, Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus, and finding some disciples, he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So he gathers these guys together and he says, hey, we've got a group of believers here. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And look at their answer. So they said to him, we have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. So he said, did you receive the Holy Spirit? And they go, Holy what? What's the Holy Spirit? We never even heard of a Holy Spirit, Paul. What are you talking about? What would you say to someone if you asked them if they'd received the Holy Spirit and they said, what's the Holy Spirit? What would you say to them? Would you say, well, okay, now, Acts chapter 5, there's God, the Father, and the Son. Is that what you'd say? You know what Paul said to them? And he said to them, into what then were you baptized? That's an odd question. So if you received the Holy Spirit, and they go, what's the Holy Spirit? He goes, whoa, tell me about your baptism. What does baptism have to do with the Holy Spirit? Why would Paul say that? I believe Paul said that because Paul knew the gospel. And Paul knew what the Apostle Peter preached in Acts chapter 2, which is taught all through the rest of the Bible. Do you remember what Peter said in Acts chapter 2? Remember he stood up and he said, this is that which Joel prophesied about, that God would pour out His Spirit on all mankind. And he said, old men would dream dreams and young men would see visions. And he said, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, you took Him and you crucified Him and God raised Him up and He's sitting on the right hand of God. And when all the people heard that, they said, men and brethren, what shall we do? And do you remember the answer of Peter? Peter said this, 
Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Now here's baptism. What's that got to do with the Spirit? Look at the rest of the verse. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Apostle Paul knew that when someone is a repentant believer and they're baptized into Jesus Christ for the remission of their sins, that they receive the Holy Spirit as a gift from God. Paul knew that. And if these people are going around here claiming to be believers, claiming to have been baptized, and they never heard of the Holy Spirit, something's wrong. Now in the passage, they went ahead. He said, tell me about your baptism. They said, well, we were baptized by John, John the Baptist. And he goes, oh, oh. Well, John just preached that you should be baptized and believe on the one who was going to come after. And that was Jesus. You see, they'd never been baptized into Jesus Christ. Thus, they'd never heard of the Holy Spirit. And you know what the passage tells us is that when they heard that, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then the Holy Spirit came upon them. You see, Paul understood that. And that wasn't uncommon in the New Testament teaching. In Acts chapter 5, he said, We are witnesses to these things, and so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey Him. God gives the Holy Spirit to Christians. When you as a repentant believer come to Jesus and you're baptized into Christ, God gives you His Spirit. Now I believe the import of the teaching here in Acts chapter 19 is that if you don't have the Holy Spirit, you're not a Christian. If you don't have the Holy Spirit, you've not been a repentant believer who was baptized into Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. And when that happens, you receive the Holy Spirit. Look what Paul said in Romans chapter 8. He said, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. He said, if you don't have the Spirit, you don't belong to God. Do you have the Spirit? Are you a repentant believer? You know what repentant means? It means that you've changed your mind and you're not walking after sin like you used to walk after. We've all talked about that, haven't we? And we've all walked after sin. Some of us have been repentant of that. Some of us have decided, you know, I'm not walking that way anymore. Some of us who believe in Jesus have repented of the sin and we've turned to God and we've been baptized for the remission of our sins. And when we do that, God gives us His Spirit. So when a repentant believer is baptized, he or she receives the Holy Spirit according to Acts chapter 2 and other places. So I would ask you, in thinking about that matter, are you a repentant believer? When I was in Jamaica here recently... Talked to a lady in a store. I was wearing one of those t-shirts that Mark had printed up for us about Nigeria, Church of Christ Nigeria. And she said, are you from Nigeria? (laughs) No, (laughs) I'm not. I do mission work in Nigeria. Oh, she said, oh. And I said, uh, or she said, are you a Christian? I said, yes, you. Hmm. And 
She said, are you on one of the boats? And I said, yes, I'm on, on the Carnival Magic. We were on our cruise. And she said, hmm, and rolled her eyes and turned around. And I said, are you a Christian? And she said, I'm a believer. I said, okay. How is that different from being a Christian? Well, the, as we talked, she was a believer who had never been baptized. She'd chosen not to be baptized. Because she said, basically, there's some stuff I'm doing I don't want to give up. <laughs> there's some ways I'm living I don't want to change. And I know the Bible says that once I step out to follow Him, I can never turn away. We had quite a discussion. Almost baptized her that day. Right there in the ocean. But you see, people can be a believer and not be repentant and not be willing to be baptized. I hope that's not you. Have you followed those things? Now, the last thing I want to talk about briefly is what does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit? And I want to show you here in Acts... You got all these places from here on down talking about people who were filled with the Holy Spirit. We can read there in Luke 4 that Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit. And as you read through the New Testament, person after person after person, it talks about being filled with the Holy Spirit. And the first question I would ask about that is okay, well, I'm a Christian, but how do I know I'm filled with the Holy Spirit? Or am I filled with the Holy Spirit? What does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit? How does that happen? And I believe some very simple answers to that can be found. First of all, you need to know that being filled with the Holy Spirit does not mean speaking in tongues and doing supernatural miracles. That's not what it means in the Bible. Now, I know those TV stations you can turn on that are going to show you the, the miraculous gifts and all this stuff, they're going to tell you that if you have the Holy Spirit, you're going to talk in tongues. And most of the time, they mean gibberish. They don't mean other languages like the Bible means. And they're going to tell you that you should be able to do miracles. Or at least some of them can do miracles. And that's proof of their being filled with the Holy Spirit. But you know, the truth is, that's not what the Bible means by being filled with the Spirit. And let me show you how I know. There's a guy named John. John the Baptist, he was called. The Baptist just means the baptizer. That's why they called him that, John the Baptizer. Because he baptized people everywhere he went. And the Bible says he was filled with the Spirit even from his mother's womb. Now, you may be the most Spirit-filled Christian in this building but you weren't filled with Spirit from your mother's womb. This guy was from his mother's womb before he was born. So much so that when Mary, who was expecting Jesus, showed up, he knew that in his mother's womb and he leapt, jumped in his mother's womb when Jesus showed up. Jumped for joy. If... I would say if anybody who's ever lived has been filled with the Spirit, it was this guy, wouldn't you? You know what the Bible tells us about him in John chapter 10? It says, John did no miracle, but all things that John spoke of or spake of this man were true. John's the guy who baptized Jesus. Everything he said about Jesus was true. But you know how many miracles John did? 
Zero. You see, being filled with the Spirit doesn't mean doing miracles. Now, it doesn't rule out doing miracles necessarily, but it doesn't mean doing miracles. That is a misunderstanding and a misteaching of God's Word. You know what we find in every case in the New Testament that somebody's filled with the Spirit? You know what we find happens when they're filled with the Spirit? Sometimes they do speak in different languages, but not always. You know what always happens? What always happens is that they are filled with great boldness to do the will of God. Look at this. Now Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, and he began to preach to them. And notice what it says. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter, when he was filled with the Spirit, he was was just fully given to do the will of God at that moment. And it gave him great boldness. Look in Acts chapter 4 and verse 31. They were all filled with the Spirit and they spoke the Word of God with boldness. This was a room full of Christians and they're being persecuted and they're fearful. And they pray that God will fill them with the Spirit and He does. And what happens? They didn't jump up and start doing miracles. You know what they did? They spoke the Word with boldness. They boldly proclaimed the Word of God. And I want to tell you that I believe the answer to this question, should you be filled with the Holy Spirit? The answer to that is yes, you should. And I'll show you why. You should because it's not just a promise, but it's a command. Did you know that God commands you to be filled with the Spirit? Did you know that, Kent? Commands you to be filled with the Spirit. And I said, oh, that makes me a little uncomfortable. I don't know about that. How can God command you to be filled with it? He does. Look at this passage. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 18. Do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Don't be drunk. You know what drunk is? Drunk is under the control of wine. So don't get drunk. You know, I mentioned this cruise that we went on. There's a lot of booze on that cruise. <laughs> Could have called it a booze cruise, I think. A lot of alcohol on that cruise. You know how much of it I drank? Zero. And guess what? I was never under the control of alcohol on that cruise. It was everywhere. I could have. I'm of legal age. <laughs> In fact, I even got a coupon for a free drink but I didn't drink it. It was my choice. The alcohol was there, but I could choose whether or not I was going to allow myself to be controlled by that alcohol, right? We understand that. He makes the very same comparison. He says, don't be filled with alcohol and controlled by alcohol, but instead, be filled with the Spirit. Be controlled by the Spirit. You know, the Spirit is there and available to you too. You know what the Spirit tells you to do? Very same things you find in your Bible. That's why I've got a picture of a Bible up there. The Spirit tells you to do what the Bible says to do. Sometimes I talk to people and they say, well, God told me to do this and God told me to... I don't know all of that stuff. What I do know is God didn't tell you anything different than is in the Bible. 
If somebody did tell you something different than's in the Bible, it wasn't God talking to you. God speaks the same thing He's always spoke because He's a God that doesn't change. His truth is His truth and it's always been His truth. Now, you want to be filled with the Spirit? What that means is to give yourself totally, to yield yourself totally to the Lord. You totally yield yourself such that you're under the control of the Spirit and you will immediately and boldly obey God. You know, occasionally in my life, I have been filled with rage, anger. You know what that's like? You're really, really mad. You've been that way? Yeah. When you're filled with anger, that's the only thing that consumes your thought, right? Is that anger. And it it determines what you do. Isn't that right? And then afterwards you go, I cannot believe I did that. I would never do that. Yes, you did, because you were filled with anger. When you're filled with the Spirit of God, with great boldness, you will do anything He asks you to do. Whatever it is. And you won't argue about it, and you won't debate about it, and you won't sit and meditate on it. You'll just, with great boldness, do whatever God asks you to do. And when the Scriptures tell us to be filled with the Spirit, that's what He means. He means to just totally turn myself over to God to do whatever God asks of me. So in summary, the Holy Spirit is God. Don't doubt it. The Scriptures are full of teaching that the Holy Spirit is God. Christians receive the Holy Spirit at believers' baptism. That's what God said. That's what He promised. And if you're a Christian, you have the Spirit of God living in you. Finally, you are commanded to be filled with the Spirit by yielding total control of your life to God. You don't get to make your choices anymore. You don't want to make your choices anymore. You want God to make those choices. You want to serve Him and you want to follow Him. Whatever He calls you to do. And it will give you boldness to speak up for Him and His cause in this world. I hope you've been encouraged. I hope you've learned something. There's so many more things that we could talk about about the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts. But uh, my main takeaway for you today is this. When you talk about God and you think about God and you think about Jesus, think about the Holy Spirit too. He's God and He's here and He's real. Realize that you're not just you walking around. You know, uh, David mistakenly made a an announcement that Gerald Hanley wasn't doing well. Gerald's passed away several years ago. And we all kind of laughed at that. Gerald would have laughed at that too, by the way. But one of the things that I always remember about Gerald, he was an elder in the church. He was one of the pastors of the church down at La Prada. And Gerald told me, he said, Michael, there's a lot of places I can go as Gerald Hanley. But I have to remember that everywhere I go, I take an elder of the church at La Prada with me. Because he was an elder of the church at La Prada. I've thought a lot about that, you know. There's a lot of things that we can do. But you need to remember that as a Christian, everything you do, you're taking the Holy Spirit of God with you. He's with you. You've received Him all the time. And the last thing is, 
Be filled with the Spirit. Choose to surrender your life in every facet and area to what you find in the Bible. If you find something in the Bible He tells you to do and you go, I don't want to do that. Okay, do it anyway. Surrender yourself. Fill yourself with the Word of God. 